When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. We're back. The Always Awesome Show is back. I I actually don't know where to begin, if I'm honest. There is so much to talk about. First of all, let's begin by introducing our guests. Right. First of all, let me welcome back Alan Algar to the show. Hello, Al. How are you doing? Great to be back. Isn't it? And I can't believe that this time tomorrow night we'll be screaming at the TV, won't we? Just screaming. Oh, my life. We're back at the palace. What a game to start on. But we will get there. We will get there. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Um, Pleasure. Lovely to have you here. Right. Let's welcome our other guests, my other guests to the show, Jamie. So, Jamie, 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 welcome (laughs) to the Always Arsenal show. Great to be here. Great to be here. Very honoured to be here, Amanda. I'm going to introduce (laughs) Jamie to everybody who's watching the show. So, Jamie's parents are friends of mine. Jamie's uncle and his dad have been going to football as long as me. And Jamie's, I think your dad, I know your uncle was, were at Anfield 89 as well. So, when I was growing up, Jamie's uncle and I used to be out and about. We'd always be talking football. We're 16, 17 years of age. So I knew Jamie before Jamie was born. Bless him. (laughs) Everyone is only 21. (laughs) So I thought I'd get a nice youngster on. And, you know, we can see it from your point of view as well. You know, the next generation. Right. Right, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is fantastic to be back. What a summer There is so much to talk about. I hope everyone's having a good summer so far. I hope we don't get the 40-degree heat back ever again because that was a nightmare. I've been on my holly bobs. I'm back. I'm ready. I'm so excited. And please, everyone, press like and please subscribe because I'll be back here every single week. 
Hello to everyone in the chat room as well. Hello, everyone. Um, just a quick um, piece of information. Sunday nights, um, you won't be able to listen to it live, but Craig is back. We did a show two weeks ago, and Craig will be back every Sunday night at 7. And by about 9 o'clock, it will be live on all podcast platforms. It's not a live show. You can't interact. But the boys will be with him, and sometimes I'll be on the show as well. So uh, the same old Arsenal's back. Do you know what? I really don't know where to start, but I think we can only start at one place. As I said um, on the last podcast I was on with Craig, that I've been going a long time to football, probably mid-70s I started. And for me, apart from my dad, who is obsessed with the Arsenal, the most massive super fan on the planet was Al Maria, who sadly passed away. And it took me a long time to pro process that she's not going to be at the Arsenal anymore. I know she'll be looking down on all of us. Um, I don't profess to know Maria that well. We used to see each other, smile, say hello. I used to ask her how she was. But everybody knew who she was. And I remember at Highbury, I'm still convinced she sat in the West End that when she screamed on Match of the Day, people used to think it was me. And I used to say, no, it's Maria. And her famous chant of, come on, you gunners. And I just want to send condolences to the family. She will be completely and utterly missed forever. She really will. She supported the club from top to bottom all her life. I, I'm, I'm well enough a bit because she really was the true super fan, wasn't she, Al? Yeah, completely. And, you know, I mean, my generations of Arsenal support go a very long way back to when, you know, they first switched to North London. And uh, do you know what? And, and I always thought to myself, I don't, no fan is above another fan. It doesn't matter where you live, how you support the team, if you're watching on TV, if you're watching at the games and things like that. And especially since we've seen, you know, the Arsenal fan TV and the kind of people you would never want associated with a club and you feel like ah, oh, they don't represent Arsenal fans in a good light. But if we're going to put one fan at the top of the tree, as you said, it has to be her because there's no side to her at all. It was full support of the team, full support of the players and absolute defence of every single part of the club. Even so much as you get journalists tweeting when she passed away that they would miss the chats that they had with her because she would corner these big journalists like Henry Winter, you know, a giant of the game in terms of football writing. And she'd politely go up to him if she saw him at the game or at a, a train station or wherever she was travelling to a game. And she'd take him to task for five minutes. And he would obviously politely listen. She'd politely take him on. And that, for me, is someone representing Arsenal properly wherever they go. And a few people could take some notes on that. So, yes... God rest their soul, absolute Arsenal legend. If one fan's going to be top of our tree, it should be her. I couldn't agree more. Jamie? Yeah, I completely agree. I was lucky enough to meet her a few times. I remember I went to Munich in 2017 for the uh, Champions League knockout game. And she was on my transfer from the airport to the coach, which took us into the city centre. And me and my dad were just sat next to her, just speaking. And it was, you know, it's just so clear and the amount of love that she had for the club and yes it's it's really sad and she'll be missed and in the stands it'll be that little bit 
quieter as well because if you was at the games you'd always always used to hear maria so um yeah i feel lucky that i got the chance to meet her um and yeah really sad she was a lovely lovely lady as well and and you're right Al. she took on everyone anyone <laughs> that had a go at that club it was amazing to watch and i've grown up with her so when i found out it took me so long to process that Maria's not going to be there. You know, she's mm. not going to see this mm. season. She'll never be back at the Emirates. You know, she obviously must have even purchased her season ticket. And, you know, they were saying that maybe keep the seat free for the season, which I think is a lovely gesture. They need, they will do something. I know they did something in the States on the preseason game. They did a beautiful tribute to her. Arsenal Twitter, excuse me, have done a lovely tribute as well. Um, and I agree with what Lynn just said, actually. I was just about to say this, Lynn. Welcome to the show, Lynn. When she put, it would be wonderful if Arsenal Club put a plaque outside the Emirates so she's never forgotten. Lynn, I was just about to say, you know, maybe not a statue because obviously they may not go that far, but to do something would be so lovely. And I think all us Arsenal fans would love that. Um, and, and one thing, one thing that I absolutely loved for me, she was Mrs. Arsenal. That, that that's yeah. it. I I can't say anymore. I, I I don't know any other fans, <clears throat> any other clubs that talk about a lady like Maria that is sorely missed. So mm. Maria Petri, rest in peace. It's upset me a little bit. So let's move on. Um, and something she would have been so goddamn proud of were our lionesses this week. And there is no way I cannot talk about what the lionesses have done, not only for football for girls football and obviously me being a girl and there are times I feel a little bit remiss if I'm honest because growing up I never struggled with any males looking down on me for being female going to football never I didn't I didn't encounter sexism probably until social media came out and I soon shunted that within about 23 seconds so I've never really encountered it but I do know, and I've realised a lot of women do, and a lot of women did. And I just thought, oh, I ignore it. Don't bother me in the slightest. I just show them up. But, but what the Lionesses have done, which is absolutely a phenomenal achievement for this country, um, and trust the women to bring it home. That's all I'm going to say. Is, and and it, I loved it all my life. And I will never sit here and profess to be into women's football as much as I have been the last few months. Okay, that's true. I've not, you know, I've not watched an Arsenal game live. I would never sit here and say that. But I did start to take an interest in the Arsenal women's actually the last few months. And fantastic. What an achievement. Jamie, did you watch it on Sunday? I was at university with my friends, but we actually did manage to watch it. And it was fantastic. It was like a real breath of fresh air. Um, and we we were speaking about the fact that because everyone in my house at university we was in the same school and through primary and secondary girls never had the opportunity to play like with us um and they always used to do their own thing when it came to um physical education they used to play netball or whatever they used to do um but we never saw them like on the football pitch so i think what this group of uh in England women's have done is probably changed the future of women's football forever, really. 
Um, and I'm seeing like the marketing about it is so much stronger now. I'm seeing games for the Women's Super League on Sky Sports being advertised. And it's nice as well because Arsenal, excuse me, um, we obviously had four of the players in the England squad. So it's nice to see a bit of the Arsenal in there. Um, and yeah, it was just fantastic. Really, really nice to see and a breath of fresh air, really. Big up to Beth Mead and Leah Williamson, that's for sure. Um, Alan, what do you think it's going to do? Well, I saw today that the season tickets had actually sold out for the, oh, for the, for the Women's really? Super wow. League next season, which is incredible. I know Tim... Um, I've just totally forgot his name out. I know Tim where. Stillman? Stillman, of course, of course. I'm used to. I'm too used to calling him by his uh, Twitter handle, Stilberto. But obviously, <laughs> you know he's been a huge advocate of the women's game, and you're pleased for people like that when it happens. Because I'm, I'm a bit like you, Amanda, in the sense that I believe it should exist, and I believe everyone should have the right to play. But I've never really massively got into it. Um, I, I referee for um, the the kids team that I used, used to coach. And um, because the Arsenal ladies at that level, under 13, under 12, are so good, they play in the boys' league, uh, the Watford Friendly League, so that they can actually experience playing against boys of about that level. And it gives them sort of uh, games that they can play. I refereed them against uh, the, the A team of our under 13s about five, six years ago. And they all turn up with their Arsenal bags. They're obviously quite privileged in the fact that they're at a club that's obviously looking after them no matter you know what team they're in, you know, boys yeah. team, girls team, that was great to see. They had their individual coaches, but the way they conducted themselves in that game, every single foul got straight back up, and they beat a very good boys team two 0 And I refereed that game and had no trouble from any of them. And that's that's the kind of thing that sort of made me think there's more to this. There's a there's a difference to this that could be really positive and um I, I unfortunately had a prior engagement on sunday night so i couldn't i couldn't watch the game but um i was actually at an event where the score came through and everyone was obviously just you know over the moon know, with it and it's inspiring for the boys to go and do something in absolutely in November. i love the know, manager by the way i, I, oh, I would she's have her over southgate every day I, she just she <laughs> has that air of authority without being completely stern and unapproachable she's got the exactly right yeah. balance yeah yeah she's right she's you know it's a shame isn't it that she couldn't manage the the football the men's football team because she is exactly well, what you said you know what? she could be she could, could be, be. Um, i think the first team to do it i think it was in france third division and it was a bit of a pr story and i don't think it was managed very well and i don't think the the, the female coach was particularly qualified. I think they did it more as a PR story. Right. But if you get someone like Emma Hayes or uh, Sabrina is it Wagman, yeah, someone like that who comes in, I actually think that there'll be a level of respect from a new generation of players, maybe in five, six years' time, that will make it possible. I agree. And why the not? new generation, Alan, that's what I was just about to say. The new generation would accept it. You know, She's come in. She's won two back-to-back -back championships. She's got that air about her of strict mm. but but knowledgeable, but everything. Uh, it will leave me on to a little bit of Arteta soon, but we'll talk about him later. But I just would like massive congratulations to them. You know, women deserve to play football, watch football, do what they want. We can do whatever we want. No one should be able to tell us not to. And I think that this will be the start of something. And... 
it was it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I would like to mention because I I don't want to pass um, I don't want to pass on this, but Jamie, we were just talking off air about Terry Neal, and you weren't sure who he was, so I'm going to leave bit before it. Before my time, yeah, he was before your time, but he was my first manager. I'm sure he was my first manager at, at Highbury that I can remember. Al, was he yours or not? Yeah, mine too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go that regularly then. Um, won't reveal our ages, but yeah, I, uh, he was my first. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll reveal my age. I'm 53 and you're 46. Didn't you say yeah. that? So <laughs> yeah. we are so, a bit older than Jamie, no, who's 20. <laughs> <laughs> 21. <laughs> 21. I'm not, I'm not fussed about ages and stuff like that. But no. Um, Terry Neal, what a manager. I loved him, actually. And I remember my life, I feel like it was like 100 years ago, but it wasn't that long ago. I know that sounds a bit mad, but I think um, people of our age, he was our first manager that we remember. Yeah. Then it went Don Howe. It must have been George Graham, I suppose. I yeah. can't remember. There were maybe one in between. No, um, straight away, yeah. It was George Graham, then Bruce, then Wenger. And then obviously Wenger was there for a very, very long time. And But Terry Neal, <clears throat> great manager. I, I really, you know, I just I just wanted to pass my condolences on as well. He was another Mr. Arsenal as well. And just feels like a lot of people of my older time are passing by, passing through. It is a shame, but anyway. it is really sad. I think one thing that, that that is good about our club is that I mean, obviously we've had the the Bruce Riox and the Unai Emerys, the the ones that sort of have to come in for that year and a half of change or something like that. And I think those people do play a part. Don't get me wrong, but overall we've tended to have not that many managers. I mean, you can you can easily recall back and. You haven't got as many managers as Tottenham have had in the last sort of 10, 15 no. years. So you do have that affinity and you are able to say, and obviously Terry Neal was one of them. Yeah. He was over there coaching as well. But you do get that affinity to say, no, if you've made it to being an Arsenal manager, there's something about that because there's not many of them. No. And I think that's the, the class side of it as and well. And didn't he take us to, I, listen, I'm not very good on remembering, but. 78, 79, 80, there were three finals. We won in 79 against United. We lost the other two. I think he won a European Ips, trophy. Ipswich, oh. Ipswich and, Ipswich and yeah. West Ham, we lost to either side yeah. of the United game. But yeah. again, I mean, I, 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 I never like to use cup football as a, as a generalisation as to how a, a manager's doing. But bear in mind, he was competing against the very good Nottingham Forest side, um, the best Liverpool side going back since the one yeah. that they have got at the moment. And, you know, even, even um, you know, Aston Villa were, were up there. I mean, a, a slightly different but competitive kind of league where anyone could beat anyone. And I think that's the difference from that era. And I don't think he was dealing with the best group of players. He had the, he had the sort of offshoot of anyone that has sort of lingered around from the, from the 70s just after the double and then had to get that new generation of players in. And I think everyone plays their part in that. And, and I think you can see that always knocking on. And I think that's that's what he should be remembered for, is the, the 79 Cup final and the fact that he transitioned a few players that were there from, from I mean, the, the, the start of the George Graham era, era to, to actually take that to the next step. So I think that that should be remembered as well. 
And also, as I knew he'd won one, and thank you, David. Welcome to the show. He won the Cup Winners' Cup as well. I thought there was a European Cup there somewhere. Um, rest in peace, Terry. No, no I, I, he didn't win the Cup Winners' Cup. Sorry, David. Oh, I thought he did. Definitely I thought he not. won a European trophy. Someone Definitely put me not. right on this. No, no, we won the Just... we won the Bears Cup in seventy, and then right. we didn't win it. We didn't win a European trophy until the Cup Winners' Cup with George Graham. We didn't win one in between. Right, okay. Def definitely didn't win one in between. Should we talk well, about the my... future for a bit? Yes, not... we come in there, Jamie. <laughs> I'm jumping Sorry, Jamie. forward. <laughs> I should have had your dad on tonight more than you. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, no, he's... Not um, for your sake. Yeah, rest in peace, Terry Neal. 79 Cup final. Alan Sunderland in the last moments. Wonderful. We won the FA Cup. Okay. Yes, we are going to jump forward, Jamie, right now. So, let's jump forward. Um, it's hard to even know where to start the pre-season. Let, let's just start with the pre-season games. So we've had pre-season, six games, six wins. I want to just say something about the American fans and then we can talk about some of the games and then we'll go into the signings. So I do feel that people that don't go to the Emirates get a really bad rap for supporting our team and I have no idea why. You have no entitlement to sit here just because you're a season ticket holder. I don't go home and away. I don't go every away game. I go to a few. No one has a right to say who is the better supporter or not. These, these wonderful American fans packed out those stadiums in America were absolutely or are absolutely obsessed with our team. Get up at three o'clock in the morning when I saw on Twitter a couple of people I know went, oh, I'm too tired, I'm not staying up. Can you imagine having to do that every week just to watch a team in another country? Mm. Don't tell me they're not dedicated. Do not slag them off. Big them up because we want as many supporters around the world as we can get. We want to be that big global club. They feel the love everywhere. Honestly, that that's just my little standpoint. I thought the American support was awesome. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think what really stood out to me is how amazing it is, how connected they feel to the club, even though they're so far away from obviously the stadium and London Colney and all the rest of it, is that for me, I've been lucky enough to go to football most weeks. And when I'm not at the games, I sort of struggle to connect with it a bit more. So to see these people that have just finally had the chance to connect with the players in real life, I think it's 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 an amazing opportunity for them to sort of understand it a bit more and to see the players live in the flesh is obviously something that they'll never forget. And I must say, I hold my hands up. I wasn't staying up till 1am to watch a pre-season game, but, you no, know. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> did I? Did you see any of them, Al? I saw the highlights, but I didn't watch I them. I didn't. I, I, watched, I watched the highlights. So I, did, I didn't. I'm not... A, I'm, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of pre-season and and what it either tells you or not, and I, I can't I can't get into it. I I I mean I'm, I'm sure we're coming to all of this very soon, but the the summer the transfer speculation and pre-season matches I absolutely have in my bin of football hates. Um, obviously, pre-season is important, and the the team does need to go and play games to get up to speed for the start of the season. But I mean, I can take it or leave it. Um, I really can. But um, so I wouldn't have been staying up anyway. But I, you know, I'll have a glance at the highlights and see see how we're performing and see how, how new players are getting on. It was a lot. 
you know, it was a lot more simple, say, 10, 15 years ago. They play at Barnet. You get to see pretty much yeah. the first team down the road. And, um, you know, no one took it too seriously. I get it has to be a bit more serious now. It has to be a bit more commercial now, as you say. It has yep. to really be, you know, part of a, a commercial drive to, dr- to drive that awareness and actually attach, as you say, Jamie, to the fans that are, as, and as you say, global. We are a global team now, and to and to be that big team, we need a global fan base. I had a while adjusting to that. I, I'm going to hold my hands up now and say I had a while adjusting to that. I think you, during the early days of social media, and I've never been one to be stupid or abusive on social media, but if I was putting my thoughts through from a game, I would then get you know people commenting from different countries, and I I took a while to adjust to that. I must admit. And I always put it like, I like the Seattle Seahawks, but I know nothing about NFL. And if they've got a game on on a Sunday, I will watch it. I wouldn't dream of then going on and doing a tactical analysis or saying to a fan that goes to the stadium every week or or is actually there that knows a lot about NFL. I would sort of know my place a little bit. And I think now what you're seeing is that those fans do actually know the game inside out. And they're the ones that are actually connected to the club. You'll have nonsense spouted from people anywhere. They could be half a mile down the road. So I think that's where you need to split it, is how the, those people are behaving. And it comes back to social media and it comes back to the way people express themselves on social media. Most of the time, now, my interactions with those people, wherever they are, you can tell straight away, well, that person gets it. That person gets the game. They love the club. And you know who to interact with and who not to. And it took me a while to adjust to that, I must admit. And there's also a lot of fake Arsenal fans, wannabes, stuff like that, that again, profess to know, profess to say, profess to think. And, you know, look, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I don't agree with a lot. I agree with some. People don't agree with me. I think people misconstrue some of the things that I say because I think I'm saying it quite... Um, I'm explaining it on Twitter and then people go, oh, you're such a hypocrite because you booed Wenger. First of all, I didn't boo Wenger. I wanted Wenger out pretty late to what most people did. Um, And Emery, I supported to the last month. So because I support Arteta to the hill, and absolutely do, I'm not an idiot. I can see things that he's done wrong, but I think people say to me, you're such a hypocrite. And do you know what, Al and Jamie, I'm so too long in the tooth now to worry about what anyone thinks. I've been going to football since I was four years old. It's nearly 50 years. I love the game. I love the club. I love going. You know, and I can say what I want, and that's the end of it. And you're entitled to disagree or agree with me. I don't care. But I do find that the people that interact with me, I can tell you now, Alan, may have 10 or 15 followers are some of the best. They really are. The, no, the people, no, it's nothing to do with follower count. Nothing at all. And when people say to me, because, yeah, I've got a lot of followers, it doesn't mean anything. I have to tell you that. Mm. I know people with many more followers than me that haven't got a clue and don't even go. <laughs> so mm. it, I, I, I just, I like interacting. I love having a laugh with people. But social media, I can take or leave. It's it's not the big yeah. one end of my life. Yeah, but no. saying that, I love social media for for what it's done here. I would never met, you know, you, Al, Jamie, obviously I'd have known, but many, many thousands of wonderful people. I wouldn't have had a show. I wouldn't have met, I wouldn't have got in contact with Kev Campbell again, Alan Smith. (laughs) I've had a wonderful life in the last 12 years on social media. 
And again, it doesn't affect me like it affects others. I normally answer people with sarcasm. But Jamie, you're of that era. You've grown up with social media where Alan and I used to go to football and your dad, he'd tell you this, he'd get in the car on the way home, he'd moan to everyone in the car, like your dad does when he takes us home sometimes. Still. And 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 he wouldn't be on social media. It's not for him. You know, mm. he'll send me random texts, your dad, going mental about yeah. something at the club. <laughs> but we didn't have that. We didn't have this because I can tell you now, before Anfield 89, we'd have had thousands and thousands and thousands of people saying we were going to lose. I'm telling you that for nothing. So for me, I'm glad social media wasn't around then because it would have taken away everything that I went through as well. But do you like it, Jamie, or is it is it part of your life? For me, it's all I've ever known. I mean, I from as long as I can remember, uh, social media has been around and my generation have just sort of engaged ourselves within it because we've got no choice, really. I think it is a good thing as long as, people sort of communicate their ideas and thoughts in the right way. But I mean, I often have the conversation with my dad and my grandpa that, you know, when when we're at the games, there's 60,000 people there and they've all got an opinion. So I think it, like whether you agree with Mikel's choices or whether you don't, I think it's natural that people aren't always going to have the same ideas. But I just think that as long as you communicate your ideas in the right way without being abusive or without swearing or all the rest of it then I don't see a problem with it um and in terms of having the most uh people that subscribe to you or whatever mm. I think yeah I mean like I, I don't believe you get a large uh traction off of it for not having a clue I think if you've got a large following you probably resonate with a lot of people and that's why they engage with you and your content so yeah prop props to you for creating the platform that you have really well i didn't create anything <laughs> i just went <laughs> on twitter followers yeah i just went on uh, social media to interact with arsenal fans because i was told loads of football fans are on twitter i didn't even know what twitter was i thought it was all about following famous people and it wasn't really for me and when i went on it and i got 50 followers i was like this is brilliant why do 50 people want to follow me this is no word of a lie and all of a sudden then it went to 100 and stuff like that and obviously then i was i say headhunted i was asked to do a podcast didn't even know what a podcast was I had no clue. This was 12 years ago, I remember, when it wasn't this up-and-coming thing that everyone does a podcast. So so for me, it wasn't about that. It was about interacting. And then, yes, I did do some stuff on Arsenal Fan TV many years ago, and I really enjoyed it. But it was very much at the beginning. And, no, I don't go outside the ground when we've, um, we've won or lost and do videos. But I don't condemn anyone that wants to do that. Um, I'll tell you something. I know I, I wouldn't condemn you, but I tell you what I don't like. I don't like doing post-game shows when we've lost. That's another thing this season. I sort of wish I'd knew before I booked a show. But but yeah, I, I love interacting with all Arsenal fans. And what I was going to say to you, Al, is when I go abroad, I love meeting Arsenal fans from all over the world. I absolutely oh, yeah. love it. Generally, you know, because it's it's like following a religion. It, yeah. you You just get it. That's it. You know, when I walk around with my Arsenal hat on, when I'm on, on holiday and people talk to me, you just get it. That's it. Yeah. You just chat about, oh, what do you think the season's going to do? And, oh, it's a shame we didn't get fourth. Mm. And it's just part of your DNA, isn't it? It's part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge part of your life. Um, yeah. I mean, I must. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you would get that even from 
making connections at school and and the people that were into football and weren't into football. I think that's I think that is how you would have expressed yourself back in the day. And it's only your close circle of friends, as you said, were jumping in the car from an away game that would know your opinions. But I I. I have the issue with social media and, and, and we're, I know we're going to be talking about all or nothing. And I think that they've actually expressed it extremely well there, but maybe not intentionally. And I think what they've shown is, is they've gone to the wrong people for opinions, I think. Um, right. Just can I stop so you I there? I won't blow the cover Al, on all Al, or nothing, I, I've got to stop you there. I said exactly the same thing, and Carl will come in that chat room. He argued with me, and I said exactly the same. That is so bizarre you said that. We will get to all or nothing, but I want to talk about the signings first. So preseason, yeah. I know preseason doesn't mean a lot, but it is nice to win and have a little bit of building the momentum and see our new signings. So let, let's just go through them. Let's, let's just talk about the most exciting one, which is, and I've been told how to say this by my Brazilian work colleague. It's <laughs> Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's Jesus. And um, wow, Jamie, what a sign, you know? Yeah, he looks really, really sharp in preseason. I mean, I really like the fact that we're now recruiting players from these top clubs like Manchester City. I mean, it's fantastic because they've got that pre-relationship with Mikel from his time there. Um, and obviously... Zinchenko as well, they're two top, top players, versatile, they can play in multiple positions, which is obviously a clear idea of what the club are trying to do and the type of personnel they're trying to bring in for this squad. And I like the fact that we've sort of broken that, that under 23 bit, we've gone for slightly older, I think they're both 25. So it, I think that gives us a nice blend now of youth and experience. I think maybe last year, one of the reasons that we missed out on top four was maybe just a bit of a lack of experience. So these boys, they've both won the Premier League. They've both played in big games on big occasions. So I think it can only be a really, really bright thing for us. And um, yeah, I think now hopefully we've got a nice blend of youth and experience and probably something that we'll need tomorrow night because you know how Crystal Palace is. We're coming to that, Jay. We're coming. But Jesus is Jesus. I know I'm going to say it wrong. Jesus is very exciting. Al, were you pleased that we signed him? Yeah, I was really pleased that we signed him. And um, there's this weird thing with Man City uh, ind individual players that they don't tend to get credit. Now, you think of someone like Aguero, he's never really mentioned in any of the sort of, you know, top scorers in the Premier League lists when people are giving their opinion. Factually, he's obviously up there with his numbers. And I think Jesus is exactly like that as, as, as well, in that they tend not to get the credit. And... I think one of the key things for me is the Pep Guardiola quote saying that you could bring him on for five minutes and he'd try his heart out and he would play exactly the game you want him to. You could have him on from the start. He will do exactly what you say. And bearing in mind that, rightly or wrongly, Arteta is one of those managers that has sort of slightly more complicated plans for each game, which I'm not against, by the way. We'll come on to that, I'm sure. <laughs> so I think he... he already knows that he's someone that can execute at least maybe five aspects of any plans he's got for next season. And then obviously using other players as backups. So I think he's a key part of the jigsaw. And I think people will underestimate him because they will look at scoring records where he has been brought on as that sub at the end, maybe it's shore things up for Man City or 
or thinking that he's stat padded because he was playing in a team that were dominant in each game and maybe 3 0 up by the time he came on the pitch. This is really his chance to show a different side to himself. And, you know, I mean, it's not like Arsenal will be underdogs for many games next season, but when we're away from home, we have a slightly different challenge than Man City do. And it will be good to see him adapt to that challenge because I'm certain that one amazing thing about Arteta and his team is that they find the right players for the right plans that they want to carry out. I'm not saying those plans are always carried out, but I think he is a key part of some kind of plan that we've got. And if it comes off, we're going to see some really good things. Oh, I'm, I, I'm with you on that. But I'm very excited about, and I'll tell you why I'm more excited about Jesus, is that I've I said this on the other pod, that I've got a lot of City friends, all different, they're not connected. And as soon as it was mooted that he was coming to us, I had messages galore saying, we don't want him to go, what a player he's going to be for you. Um, and I had a little bit different with Zinchenko, which we'll come to on in a second, but um, I do feel... What we need in front of goal is someone who is going to just put the ball in the back of the net when we make chance after chance after chance. We've missed that. We've missed, I mean, it's a bit of an old term, but a fox in the box. Someone who's just going to dig in. And you know what I look, when I was watching the highlights, I don't know if you two found this, but I felt like he's been here like for three seasons. Three seasons already. He looks, he looks bedded in. The players love him. He seems yes. to be, yeah, you know, and, and that's already a good thing. The fact that he's worked with Arteta obviously is a massive bonus and obviously one of the reasons probably he wanted to come as well, which says a lot for Arteta, doesn't it? Um, mm. Now, Zinchenko, what I found with um, a few of the City lot that um, messaged me was they said he's a good player, but he does go missing. So I said, look, I just feel... I'm always like this. I give any player a chance. When Ramsdale signs and the whole bloody world went upside down and mental about him, I went, can we just give the boy a chance? You have no idea how he's going to play with our back four. You just haven't got a clue. And I think people need to learn from that, you know, because Ramsdale, which we saw in the All or Nothing, which I know we all want to talk about, which I will in a second, just let's get through the signings, um, you know, I think we just need to give everyone a chance. I'm quite excited about Zinchenko. Are you, Al? Yes, I am. And and you know what? That I think that accusation of him dropping off is because, you know, City are, are a team that are dominant. And, you know, the last 20 minutes of some of their matches, it's game over. So I'm not surprised he would go missing in, in that position. Um, so, I, I, do you know what? I, I actually think, again, like Jesus or Jesus, it will be a different challenge for him. And if he adapts to that challenge, he's got a real chance of carving out a different aspect to, to the way he plays. Because mm. he won't be used to playing in a team that are up against it more than um, than, than, he, than he's experienced at City. And, and yeah, a lot of City games are very dull for the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And players do drop off in them because the game's already won. Jay, you looking forward to seeing Zinchenko? Yeah, I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, from what I've seen in uh, uh, pre-season, his technical levels when he's on the ball, like his first touch and just the way he controls it. And he he obviously knows the ideas of what the team of what the team's trying to do and the style of play, because it's quite similar to his time at Manchester City. I think he looks like a really, really good fit for us. And it's the same with Hazus. And just on that as well, I think 
one of the things that's most stood out to me is his work rate and his pressing. And I know Martin Erdegaard presses really well and Martinelli will run through brick walls. So I think what I'm really excited about this year is the amount of intensity that that we're going to play with. And I know it's something that Arteta mentions a lot in the all, all or nothing is it's the sort of courage that they have and the energy levels and the real spirit. And I think Jesus has slotted in perfectly, uh, probably made a little bit easier with the uh, Brazilian core that we've already got. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's probably helped him a lot. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really, really exciting times at Arsenal now. I think it's two really, really good players who we haven't spent loads of money on. I think both of them were priced quite fairly. Um, so it's not like we've massively overpaid, I don't think. Um, I think it's about 77 million for both. But and they're another... two top players. Yeah. Like, you don't play for Manchester City for being rubbish. They're they're both going to improve us, and that's the main thing. But what, what I want to talk about as well, because we've got Vieira, Marquinhos, Turner, but Saliba, Saliba is like a new signing. Like signing. Yeah. And and you know what? Those people that lost their absolute minds about why Arteta was doing what he was doing with him out on loan. I, I just right, I just want to say something because I know people think that I'm obsessed with Arteta. It's not about that. That man wants to win. We're going to talk about all or nothing in a second. You can tell he wants to win. We've all seen that now anyway. But why would he send a player out to another club if there wasn't a reason? I think this is what I need to get through to people. He does things for a reason and a reason that benefits Arsenal Football Club. Um, let's just go on to right Vieira. To be fair, don't know much about him, Al. Do you? Well, I don't watch much Portuguese football. I know mm. that he's been coming through the ranks um, at Porto, and then um, he he stalled a little bit for when he when he's playing for the under twenty ones. He didn't get into the main national team, but um, I mean overall, he looks like a, a good player, and he and he actually does score goals. I mean, he's under twenty one record for for Portugal, albeit a different level of football. I think he's like a goal every two games. So, look, I I actually think that it's the kind of thing where as you said, there's always decisions to be made and there'll always be a reason behind decisions. I don't think things are vendettas or or or, or things like that. I think there's a discipline code. So I think even with the Tomiyasu signing, as you, as, as you know, we saw last season, people criticising that. But there'd be a plan behind it. And I actually do trust the recruitment now. Um, and I think because of that, you can look at a signing like Vieira and say, no, there'll be a reason behind that. And, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that reason is. I mean, even the two established players, Zinchenko and Jesus, we know we know them from the Premier League. It's not like we're going to be shocked at a, a different um, level of ability from them because they've shown high, high levels of ability at the club they've already been at. But you might see something different from those players because they've been scouted to do a job. And I think, I do believe in the plan. I was about to say trust the process then. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe Those magic words. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something then, but yeah, oh, it's, that's it about Jesus. The fact that he's won Premier League titles, the fact that he, you know, he's going to be given the experience and the professionalism we need. That's why it looks like he's been there a long time. He gives us so much. I can't wait to get to the Emirates. When is is it next weekend? We're coming Sunday week, isn't it? Um, yeah, Leicester. I, I can't wait. I, 
I'm not going tomorrow night, but it's just um, it's just so exciting. And and we've got Mark and Austin Turner. I mean, yeah, we have had a really good transfer window and it's not over yet. And I still think that we've still got a small chance to get Tielemans. Yeah. I'm still holding on to that. Tielemans. I, I know. I, I mean, there were there were there were proper inquiries about Bowen, but he, he won't he won't come to Arsenal. I, I heard uh, that funny enough. No. I think and, we need a winger more than a midfielder, though. I, I'm just a little bit. I was gonna. I know you just skirted over Turner, but I'm just worried about Turner for Turner for Leno doesn't seem like it's an upgrade on your number two. Although I get that because he was signed as a number one and then was replaced and lost his position. I think Arteta's been quite honest with him and said. You're the number two next year. It will mean the Europa League. It will mean the League Cup. It will mean the FA Cup. Mm. Barring a huge drop-off from Aaron. And you'll go with our best wish wishes. Are we certain that Turner is of the level that if there's a Ramsdale injury, that we haven't messed up there? That that would be my... And look, you'll have question marks about every team's transfer window. I believe we've got one, and it's that. Um Okay. Uh, would you like that about Ramsdale? Well, no, with Ramsdale, I genuinely thought he was being signed as a promising second keeper to be back up to Leno and then obviously to come through the ranks. I didn't realise they were going to be pitched against each other. Mm. I mean, the poor form at the start of last season was obviously a catalyst in getting Ramsdale a chance a lot earlier than he probably would have got if we hadn't have fought in those first first three games. And because he came in and was incredible, then there was a decision to be made. So I think that was a knock-on effect. Again, all or nothing, we're going to come to it. But the nonsense that was written about him and sent to him on social media, to me, doesn't represent a, you know, a, a good... Well, it doesn't represent the best face of Arsenal fans who, in all my years supporting the club, the actual fans that I know and the fans I interact with on Twitter... They are seeing that young lad come to the club and it's backed up by what you see from him in the all or nothing and going, well, that's great. I'm behind you anyway. Few people doubt you. I'm behind you anyway until we're not, until we discover that you're not up to it. And some people won't be up to it. I was very lucky enough to have some time with him. My son's a keeper in a, in an academy. He's just, he's just coming through the ranks, not as high as Arsenal, I'm afraid, quite low down. But he did get, he did get 10 minutes with Ramsdale the other week and I joined him for the last two yeah. of those. What a top-class person Aaron Ramsdale is. You'll see it in All or Nothing anyway. But the time that he gave my son to talk about, talk with him about his game and everything, I, I was, you know, a bit emotional because, it, it, you know, it, it does show that he's been brought up the right way. And it goes back to something Arteta says in that he looks at people, he looks at their families, he looks at the way they react to certain situations. And again, that's another plus point for Arteta. I think he sees things in people. And that is shown in All or Nothing, which we've mentioned 20 times now. All right, come on then. I was just going to say, well done for Aaron Ramsdale for getting number one. Thank you, Bern Leno, for your beautiful send-off to all Arsenal fans. That's how you leave a club. We wish you luck. We hope you save everything bar two games a season against us. Um, I love it when players leave a club in such a respectful way. We need to go to all or nothing, although I wanted to talk about Palace first, but let's just go to all or nothing because this is all, we, all we've all been talking about. I mean, I literally 
woke up this morning, started watching it, had my breakfast watching it, getting ready for work watching it, finishing it off at lunchtime, number one, because I wanted to watch episode two and three before I came on. So Carl and I sat down tonight and, I mean, look, I friggin' love it. I just, I love everything about it. And just let's talk about Ramsdale a second. His family need their own show. They need to be on Gogglebox <laughs> or something because they're absolutely friggin' awesome, they're, the Ramsdales. Just just the Ramsdales. I want to watch them every week watching their son go play play for the Arsenal. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, peeve that they've only just started showing it tonight the season starts tomorrow we're already on the next season we should have watched this a couple of weeks ago and you know it would have been so much better and to end it tonight I think but Maybe that's why they've done that because they but why to... because the season starts so this is already last season but um I loved it I've watched all episodes I'm really sorry if people in the chat room haven't I did say that we'd be talking about it you are going to hear spoilers um I I did say Alan, what you said about going to the wrong people, I felt there was an edge to it that was a, a very much younger vibe. And I I felt, I said this, to that the, they've made it into more of a, a, how can I put this? Not young, because I am young at heart, but they, they haven't interviewed the people after I thought as well. But both of you, come on. So what did you think, Alan? Cards on the table, I don't think we should have been... I don't think a club of our stature need to do things like this. When I saw Tottenham doing it, I, I always thought, yeah, that's a Tottenham sort of thing to do. And where's the upside in it? Where's the upside in bringing people in? Um, and I thought I was going to hate it because I was against it. I was against it being a thing. Um, but like you, <clears throat> loved it. Absolutely compelled by it. Do you know what I got? I downloaded all three onto my phone for my journey into work. I was coming home, and the two guys opposite me—I mean, one was wearing an Arsenal tracksuit. He was watching it, and I looked to the left as I got off, <laughs> and another guy was watching it. So there was three of us in the same train carriage watching it. So like, everybody's trying to consume it all today, as as we do these days. Um, yeah, I. My son said something interesting. He said it's made me love the players that I loved a lot more which is a really good thing because I know they know that the camera's there and I know that they are aware but these guys are used to being filmed their whole lives you know that everything they do their whole job is filmed from 20 different camera angles so I don't think they're acting different I just think you're seeing a little bit more of that insight into them and the way they interact with each other and I think they suddenly would have forgot their cameras were there anyway. And, you know, just, I mean, Bukayo Saka just needs protecting oh. at all costs forever oh, as yeah. a club. Do you know Stay what? with us forever. And because he's just, he's just unbelievable. But the way he talks to other players, because the thing is, he's the young one, but he's, he's obviously quite educated so because mature. of his schooling. Yeah. So he's, he's often asking questions or talking to them in a way that, not the general footballer would actually want to respond to. So you see him have a lot of these conversations where he's just like, yeah, I can't even explain what it is to you. So, you know, I love, do you know what? Do you know what? I, I sort of, I said to Carl a couple of comments. I went, I don't know if this is real because of the cameras are there. Yeah. And Carl sort of said the same as you. 
they just got used to the cameras in the end. But yeah. I don't know. But when he sat there and said, "Do you know what a maze is?" Yeah, that was it. That was the one. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> "Oh," and he and he, he can't. He's so disgusted. He's like, "I can't talk to you." He said, you don't even know what amazing. <laughs> and and I know what you're saying about this because I've had opposing fans say to me, God forbid they ever do this at our club. I don't want to know mm. the ins and outs. Of I'm loving it. I can't get enough. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. waiting for the next lot to come out. So episode one was um it wasn't the Spurs like the game, it was the one before, it was the preseason. Yeah, it was first um, three defeats. The yeah, so I was at City away, and I often talk about that. And I felt he, look, it's really hard because I wish I could say something detrimental against him because I only praise him. I think he's wonderful and I think we need to all get behind Mikel Arteta. The way, and anyone ever tells me that he's lost that dressing room, I want to laugh. Just go and look at all or nothing. So, Jamie. I think, um, yeah. I think that's one of the main things. Yeah, I mean, I I think what you're just saying there about Mikel is that that's one of the main things that stood out to me about how much respect that you can see that the players have for him and how much they listen to his messages and his knowledge of the game is just so top and so, so elite. And I just, I think in terms of what you were saying, uh, Alan, that, you was a bit sceptical about it at the start. I think it is a bit of a commerciality move, a bit of a, a public relations stunt. But that is the modern world. You know, we were speaking about social media prior mm. to this. And, like, it is going to attract new fans to the club. Your son, who's now saying that he loves certain players more, he might go out and purchase a show or something. Um, I've already got him. <laughs> £100. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one thing that I did just want to touch on is I think it was episode three where they had a little section on Kieran Tierney and how he, yeah. And his chef and his relationships that he has with everyone. And he was speaking about his mental health and about how the, he used to have lots of uh, friends around him that have now sadly committed suicide. And I think the fact that we've sort of used that opportunity to speak about something, which is so deep and personal to our players, I think, not only does it show the club in a really good light, but it's such an important message. So that sort of made me proud to be associated with the club that we've used this opportunity to speak about such an important topic and in such a good way as well. So that was one of the things that stood out for me. It was really Definitely. interesting, wasn't it? That the actual private lives of them as well and and how they speak to each other in the change rooms. And yeah, where Kieran said that, but Obviously, um, everyone who watches the show knows that Stuart, the photographer, has been on twice. And he came on knowing that that was going to be shown. And we asked him, um, someone asked him a question, will we see you on it, Stuart? He said, you might see a bit of me. And I didn't think nothing of it at the time. When it came out, I didn't want to watch any clips or trailers, but it's been impossible, hasn't it, the last day or so. When I watched his rousing speech to the team, I messaged him straight away and said how amazing that was. And I knew you were, you, he said, I, I had a feeling something, but nothing like that. And he laughed and he said, I just couldn't tell you, but I was so nervous. He said, but it's been taken really well. And Stuart is going to come back. And I'm sure that we'll all give him a big round of applause because who in their lifetime would ever get a chance to stand in front of the team you love and go, go and beat that lot down the road? Oh, my life. That is just incredible. Mm. Again, we don't know if um, it was 
you know, Mikel did it for the cameras or they, you don't know anything. But let me tell you something. Mm. Stuart, the photographer, who is a really good friend of mine, is a gooner through and through. What I could hear him get choked up as well. And he would have wanted to beat Tottenham just like we did because he loves the club. He, he is an Arsenal fan. Honestly, so he is. I'm so proud of him. So well done, Stu. He's just brilliant. And he was speaking I, like a supporter as well, you know. Like well, he was. The emotion in he, his voice. Yeah. He, it, it was like one of us giving a team talk. Do, do you know? Do you know? He said. He said. I think Jamie as well. He said things that players wouldn't have heard before, like yep. as in the thing where he said, "Make a tackle, then look in the crowd at faces." No manager mm. would have ever said that because a manager most of the time isn't going to be a fan, so he isn't going to know that insight. And that's what I they love was, you. was was actually the genius about getting someone who you know is a proper fan in to address the team. And again, like you say, whether it was done as a, look, we need different narratives for every game here because it can't just be you saying the same old team talk every time. Or in the, <laughs> just in the general view, yeah. that he does mix it up anyway because managers are told to mix it up because players have short attention spans. So I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't think, look, there's a chance that it could have been for the cameras, but I think just before they go out, they've they've had all the instructions all week about how they're going to play tactically and yeah. and all of that. But I I think almost always the last thing that Mikel tries to communicate with them is an emotional, motivational message. So I think to get Stuart, there's no more like positive way to promote emotion into that changing room because. Yeah. He is a fan, and that's yeah. what a fan's going to do. Beat that lot up the road. Come on, you've got this. And and as Carl Stark, thank you, said, Stuart spoke for us all. He really did. And I put on Twitter, I said, who, who would not want to do that? There are yeah. many times I've wanted to go in that changing room at halftime and give him a good old, you know what, rollicking <laughs> and get get out there. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm sure our Maria would have wanted to as well. Pe- people, when you love when you love something, you want it to do well and it came through. And when Stuart comes back, you can all ask him that question because he's really overwhelmed with all the support he's got because he does get criticised a lot. He said on the first show he was on with me that the players he watches, the young players, are going to take five to seven years and watch what happens. People took that all the wrong way and said it's going to take five to seven years to win anything. Yet, you know, he was he never said that. And you need to watch the show. So if you haven't, if you're new to this show and you haven't seen Stuart the photographer, just go back on YouTube and watch. It was on um, about a month ago. It's just brilliant. So, so that was episode two with the Tottenham and and the way it's filmed and the drama. I love it. And I remember. I mean, we're going to go through each game. Of course, we know. You know. Brighton at home, Crystal Palace. That will be coming up in the last few episodes, and we didn't get fourth and whatever, but. I'm really enjoying it. it. And I'm really <laughs> intrigued to see how the Abamyang situation is going to play out. Yeah, because next they, episode. Yeah. They focused on him quite a bit. But I'm a bit confused because I thought he was dropped for the London, uh, the North London derby. But he wasn't. But anyway. That was the year before he was dropped. Right. Okay. I think, when yeah. There was no fans because of COVID. But yeah. No, he, he scored. No, no, no. He was He was late to the game. For a North London derby, wasn't he? Was that two yeah. years ago? But it wasn't this one because he played in it. No, so he wasn't dropped, no, no, it was he? It wasn't this one, but there was another disciplinary breach right. around 
around yeah. COVID at the time. I'm sure they're going to show us all, all of this, um, hopefully, because otherwise we'll just be speculating again. But I think there was another disciplinary breach around COVID where he hadn't been tested properly or he didn't come back and test yeah, properly. Yeah, well, he was meant to go via. Oh, he was late, from wasn't time, he? From yeah. time away. But you saw the... You did see the human side out, what Robert Stevens has said. What did you think of what um, Ober said yeah. before the North London derby that got to me as well, why he gets the star yeah. in his hair? You know, when you, yeah. Yeah, when you see things like that, you realise, don't you, that these players, I wish everyone would realise, are humans as well. They yeah. have reasons yeah. for doing things and, they, you know, life is full of ups and downs and when you lose family members and things like that, it's... It's hard, and they have to live it all out in the public life. Um, mm. oh, I just love it. I, and I think that Bakayo Saka is going to be star of it. I just think, I listen to yeah. him. I, I'm like, you, Al, how old is he? He's I just, know. He just, and he's he just seems like the elder statesman. And, and I'm, not, I'm not doing the other players down here, but he is the more educated of the players. We know that from, you know, his time with the England squad and people were saying, you know, have you seen his A-level results? And he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a genius. So highly he'd, be, he'd be at a top university if he wasn't in, if he wasn't a footballer. But that he's coming across. But he, he's not a condescending way of talking to others. No. He's, just, he's just shocked by like, those interactions that he's having. And that's, that's, that's an amazing part of it. And yeah, and I think seeing those players and the shyness and even, even um, Tavares. And, and, and I know someone just did put a comment up about the the coaches immediately spotting that he's a different personality. And, and I think, I mean, and again, I'm going to say another thing Arteta gets right. He knows he's managing, and what is it? Squad size is about 25. So you've got 25 individuals. If you take 25 individuals, you will have people that learn through pictures, people that learn through words, people that respond to an arm around them, people that respond to a kick up the backside. And he said, I love working out who's who. And, and obviously, they get to a list of the players and they've probably got all 24 worked out uh, as in, oh, yeah, I know how, exactly how to respond to him. And they get to Nuno Tavares and they're trying to work it out. And I love watching the coaches saying, do you know what? I think he's a guy that you need to actually give. Uh, he's not going to give you honest feedback about his injuries because he's actually quite shy. And he's quite, again, as Simon Davis is just saying here, he's vulnerable. So why don't we give him his own personal medical assistant for a little while and that person can not only just tell you what he's doing physically and fitness wise but he'll also be someone that gets into his head a bit and then by the time he gets to that sit down with uh, Carlos Cuchera he's actually opening up a little bit more and knows that you're in an environment where people are saying we're a young team you're, you're fine if you make mistakes but we just want to know a bit more about why you may have made the mistake that's that's what we're here to do and as soon as he knows that, he seems to open up a bit. And, and look, whether his future is with us or not, and whether he's the level that he needs to be, I think that is good management of players because they either go with yeah. best wishes, like someone like Leno, or you keep them and reap the rewards for actually treating them like that. And I think that's the same with any business and HR and anything like that. You know, what is the point of, uh, if you're constantly on someone's back, you're never going to get the best of them. So you, you're going to part ways in a, in a horrible way as well. Um, I, I think, and I hope we see it, I, we saw a little bit of it at the Everton game where he said, I'm too angry to talk at the end. And, um, you know, he didn't, want to, he didn't want to go over it. I hope there is a little bit more stick than, than, than carrot at the, at, the, at the end of the season. Because I think by then they should have all known what was at stake. So I hope I see a little bit, 
a little bit of anger. Um, and I don't mean unjustified <coughs> anger, but I hope we see a little bit more from Arteta that is actually, I, I get that you're young. I'll make the excuses for you in public. I'll take all the raps. But you've got to start being a little bit more accountable yourselves. And I want to see that come shining through in the second half. And if we don't, I think we've got an issue. I... I'm picking up on that, Al. Jamie, I saw Arteta say something quite quickly that I don't know if anyone picked up on, on the training ground when he said, I won't be picking the same team every week, you know, and then he moved on, meaning your places are not guaranteed. Did you take from that what I, I mean, I know what Al's the one, he wants more toughness and I think that's coming, but you do know, have to know your audience, Al, and each player is different, as you yeah. said. Yeah. You know, some need uh, the, the shoulder, yeah. some need the Bollocking, as they say. But, Jamie, what did you think? Well, just on what you said about what he said to them on the training ground, I think, obviously, at Manchester City, they had squad player after squad player. And, you know, if a player's not playing well one game, they can easily switch it out. And I think that's, that is what makes the elite clubs so, so top, that there's competition for places and that pushes everyone to perform to the maximum level because if you're not at your, at your maximum level, then you're not playing. So... I think that's what we've tried to do in this window is try and give ourselves a bit more depth. We've got obviously four competitions this year. So with Nuno Tavares, yeah, he wasn't playing well. I think a low move is probably the right move for him. I think we've seen glimpses of, of uh, potential with him. When he came in at the start of the season, I thought he actually played really, really well. And I, I personally thought he was up to the level. Then we saw a bit more of him and he sort of got hooked at, was it Nottingham Forest? And then he got hooked again at Crystal Palace. And obviously that isn't great for a player's confidence. Um, and I think maybe right now he is just a bit too raw for us. Um, but I think a low move was definitely the right right move for him. And we've got Zinchenko now. Um, and we've also got Kieran Tierney there. So that is really good competition for places. So if one of them's not playing well, you can just switch it out and it would be pretty seamless. So I think it can only be a healthy thing. Jamie, talking about low moves, I mean, they focus quite a lot on ESR. My God, the ball skills mm. of that kid. I was like, who's that kid? Because I didn't realise it was him. It was phenomenal. He had a loan, comes back, and he's he just really a well great player. We've just got to keep him injury-free. That, that's what we've got. He had a fantastic first half of the season yeah. and got quite a few injuries, didn't he? I mean, I've had quite a lot of people say to me, and I think it's with a bit of substance as well, that he's not getting enough minutes this year, uh, last last year. Yeah. And I think now yeah. now we're in four competitions and we've got the Europa League as well. He can start to get some 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 more minutes there. Um, but if we sort of get to the end of this season and for whatever reason he wants to go, I, th I think he could be a 50, 60 million pound player at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not I, saying that I'd let him go because I would, definitely try and keep a mill, but I can't see a world in which he starts ahead of Martin Odegaard. Personally, I think Odegaard is a key. You can't take him out of that team. If he's fit and available, he plays. But... I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm... I thought last season, most of the games we played well, most of the games where you would have in your top, top 10 performances, Emil Smith-Rowe was, was a key part of those. And... Like you said, Jamie, towards the end of the season, maybe he was missing out because the fitness stats were coming back and saying, you know, he's good for 20 off the bench. He's good for this. He's not good to start. And, he's and not Martin Odegaard or, in his position. Or, or it's the Odegaard being in his position. I, I get 
shouted down for this, and I and I know I'm in a minority. I don't think Odegaard has convinced me that he's absolutely not a flat track bully and can do it at the top level. Um, he needs to convince me this season. That's that's the challenge I would lay on his doorstep. Because I get people saying to me, yeah, but he's class, and it's, it's obvious class. And I get that because you can tell the way he manipulates the ball, the decisions he makes. But I just think there, there could be an accusation that is he a player that's going to come and dig you out when you need to be dug out? And th- there will be 10 games out of the 38 Premier League games next season, you know, on average about a quarter of them where you need to be dug out a bit. And is he the right person to do that? And I see Smith Rowe more as the person to do that. And I think he's more of a sort of street baller than 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 Odegaard. Yeah. But hey, I, I know people no. disagree with me on my Odegaard. I don't think he's a captain either. If we're going to go down that route of conversation, I think that's an appalling decision. Really? really? Who would you yeah. make captain? I would make either Ramsdale or any of the defenders that he thinks will be will be certain to the start. So whoever he thinks are his two centre backs, um, one of them or or Ramsdale, who's going to be on the pitch all the time and has that. Don't like goalkeepers as captains. I must say, from what I've seen of Odegaard, he does look like quite a big communicator on the pitch. I'm like, I'm not on the pitch, but I think um, from what I see in the stands, he's he's, he's often uh, trying to give instructions to other players. And I, I think he's got the qualities of, of a captain. And just what you're saying on him not being the sort of fighter and someone who's going to take the game by the scruff of the neck, I don't think he is that player. Um, but at the same time, like if 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 we're losing a game, then I think he's the one to unlock the door, and he's 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 but he, there were a lot of times into challenges. Season, there are a lot of very important games last season where he didn't do that. But th- but that's you know that's not the type of player that he is. It's 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 like a Meza Özil situation where you know he's not he's not going to fight for you, but you you sacrifice that part of his game because of the quality, and you know that he can make a key pass. Mm. And I, I, so I, it's it's. If, if, if you've got nine other outfield players that will fight like that, then I think you can sacrifice one player because of his sheer quality on the ball and everything else that he brings. But I agree with you that he's not a pure physical guy. Yeah. Yeah, look, we, we, look, look we're, nev- we're never going to go back to the days of incredible captains like McClintock, Adams and Vieira. You know, I don't, I th- football's moved on uh, and it's moved on at other clubs too. You know, you've got you know, if, if you're talking to a Chelsea fan there now, they're going to say John Terry. If you're talking to a United fan, they're going to say Roy King. Yeah, we've moved on from that kind of captain. But I still feel your captain should be a more focal point on the pitch. That that that, And I don't mean a brawler or someone like Xhaka mm. who might lose his head. I just think that calm, assured presence of, of, of been there, done that. And, I, and, and, you know, Ramsdale's not that either. We've got a young team, so maybe it is hard to pick a captain. Yeah, I think the trouble we've also got there is that there's no one really in the squad that stands out as an obvious captain. It's, yeah. I, like, I think they've all got leadership qualities in some ways, but I think Kieran Tierney could get a shout, but he's injured for quite a lot of the time. So that's obviously going to have a factor in the decision. But there's no one in there, like sort of like a Martin Keown, that is like an obvious, straightforward captain. Yeah. We don't really have that. But I... I mean, from what I've heard, we've actually got a leadership group, which is like obviously like a group of experienced players. So maybe as a club, 
we're trying to move away from the idea of having one set captain and we sort of have a group of players that are sort of in control of the of the on-field movements and things, which I don't think is such a bad idea. I think potentially that could be the future and other clubs could start to uh, roll with that as well, potentially. Boys, we could go on all night, but we've gone way over time and we haven't even got to our predictions or talking about Palace. I'm definitely going to have you both back on because it's been such a fantastic show. Um, but we need to just jump forward to tomorrow night and the start of the season and let's do a quick roundup because people need to go to bed. Me needs to go to Including bed. Including me, yeah. <laughs> um, early start tomorrow. So... Palace Friday night. Now, Al, you and I had a little chat on DM this week about you're not sure, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I I never look forward to going to Palace away, especially at night. No. But for some reason this time, I do feel we could get a draw. (laughs) I do feel that positive (laughs) that we won't lose tomorrow night. So in in a quick minute, give us a minute or so. Jamie, what's your prediction for tomorrow night and why? Um, and I'll oh, put everybody's predictions up in the chat room, so give us yours as well. I must say, and you know this, Amanda, I'm not a massive fan of score predictions. Um, <laughs> yeah, no mind. We actually just had a university house group idea where we predict all the games, and I just went for an easy 3-0 Arsenal because I don't have a clue, so I'm just going to go in positive. So I know my uncle Russell always does 4-0, 4-1, so let's go for that. Whether it will happen or not, I don't know, but nice and So, what's your prediction? 4 0, 4 1. We'll go for 4 1, but because we always give them one, so we'll go for 4 1. That's amazing. That'd be an incredible start tomorrow night. Alan, I'm not sure your prediction's going to be anything similar to that, is it? Well, when I said to you, I'm nervous, I was nervous not because I think we're going to underperform. I just think it is, to me, one of the biggest opening games we've had in about a decade. And I know, obviously, there's a bit of recency bias there because you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, every every next game is important. But I feel this is... There are no excuses this season. And obviously, to have a first fixture, which is like a, a very similar to the first fixture of last season away to a London club, where they're going to be quite physical. But also, the fact that, obviously, Palace last season was a huge downfall, the away game there. So... I'm re- I'm going to be there tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be in the the home end, so I won't be able to cheer Arsenal on. But I'll be watching all the the, the fans in the away end uh, enjoying themselves. And I think we're going to win. And I think Hopefully. I think it'll be a comfortable win. And I think it'll be three nil or three one. I'm going to go with three one. Okay. Well, I've written your predictions down. Now I was joking. <laughs> Adam, predictions around, I'm going to tell you now. You um, Adam says, "Wow, I feel deflated now. I do think we'd get a draw. We have a much better squad." They've got than lots of injuries. Stop. They've got they've got lots of injuries. They've had a really disrupted. They've had a really oh, disrupted Yeah, they've had a really disrupted preseason. Vieira's still saying that the squad is not where he wants it to be. Gallagher's obviously gone back to uh, Chelsea. Listen, if there's a good time to play Crystal Palace, it's tomorrow night. If we turn up and have that proper mindset our quality will take us through tomorrow 100 percent. i think the experience of last year as well could help us because completely 
And I think that we're going to want it a little bit more. We're not at the same position. We were desperate to win about Palace that night. I think we all saw that as a banana skin match anyway. Um, I'm going 2-1. I think, well, 1-2, as they say. Crystal Palace 1, Arsenal 2. That's what I'm going for. We all think we're going to give a goal away. We all know Aaron Ramsdale is going to walk in that um, changing room if he lets a goal in and throw his jersey down because he's got all that passion for Arsenal and all that passion for Arsenal has definitely been shown from my guest tonight what a show to start off the season with and yeah over an hour and 15 minutes we could go on longer um, and I'd love to chat all night There's, as I said at the beginning there is so much to chat about and some of the stuff we didn't even um we didn't even touch on like predictions mm. and stuff like that, but we'll I get. Didn't, I, I didn't even get a chance to say what a terrible idea that you'll never walk alone around the pitch with the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what Shopping. I heard about it, Shockingly and I thought it, I know I know you and Craig were talking about that, and I left it because I hadn't watched it yet, and I understand why he did it. It was a bit naff, but I understand why he did it. He just wanted to give them the feel of, because it is quite intense at Anfield. But, but it isn't. Is, it isn't. If no, no, no. Hold on. Stuff, I was just about... If he knows his stuff, it isn't. No, and he was the I... one that riled them up. He's the one I that know. made it a good atmosphere. I know. He, he cost us I know. the game. I know. He, 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 doubly, he doubly did wrong with that game. He did, and he and and you know I know because I go to Anfield quite a bit, and it is a myth. They do their walk alone, and then they stop. They do not. There's no atmosphere there at all, unless you're there on a Champions League night. There is no atmosphere. I'm telling you. I used to stand there and look around Anfield and go, "Where's this famous atmosphere? Yeah. We were louder than them." But when they score, yeah, it, it erupts. Yeah, I, but, I, yes, I Arteta calls that. Arteta yeah. calls that. Yeah, completely. He, he raised the roof. They raised their game and bang. But Mane shouldn't have been on the pitch for that match but let's not go there we need to end now and we could carry on but i promise you everyone in the chat room and i promise everyone that's watching it on replay um jamie and alan will be back if they want to come back they're more than welcome great guests so alan off to the palace tomorrow night bring the three points home let's be top of the league tomorrow night we're the only will team do. you enjoy it tweet us from the game look forward to it um you've been a fantastic guest as per usual, thank you so very much. Very enjoyable. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks oh, very much, you. Amanda. Jamie, you've Jamie, been you brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely thank you very much, guys. brilliant, Jamie. And to everyone in the chat room, you know, I see the, the usual names. I see new names. Thank you so much. Look at this. Everyone saying how, how good it was, the show. So great guest, great show. Um, thanks for the show. Enjoyed it a lot. Great show, Amanda. Um, and thanks, Alan and Jamie. There we go. That's all I want. It's all about interaction with everybody there. That's the reason I joined Twitter. Social media is to meet loads of different Arsenal fans and have great interactions. You may not all agree with each other. So what? We're all Arsenal fans. We all want them to win. Thank you for joining. Please subscribe. I will be back next week. Don't know when. But join the boys. Well, when Craig puts the pod up on Sunday night, take a listen. Thank you to everyone. Remember, I haven't said this for a while, always Arsenal, always Arsenal. Good night, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.